Hey everyone, good morning. Welcome to the Teach Better Teams Daily Drop-In where we are live every single morning, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern. You guys know how this works already. It is Friday, so the one and only Brad Hughes is here. We have had a theme all week long, so we're gonna kind of wrap that up in a pretty little bow here on a Friday to kick off a new topic for next week. We also have a good news segment. We have some holidays. And we're going to recap the whole week in case you missed any daily drop-in episodes and you want to go back and rewatch. So we are getting started here. Please go make sure you fill up your coffee. It's very important here on Friday, October 15th. And we'll be right back to, I don't know, do something fun. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, Brad. How are you? Good morning, Ray. I'm doing really well this Friday morning. How about you? I'm good, except I will admit, because, you know, sake of transparency on the show, my alarm didn't go off this morning. Uh, you bounced back really well because, I mean, we were here with plenty of time to spare just before we got on the air here at Daily Drop-In. And we had, what, you know, 15, 20 minutes to chat before? They, I mean, it's really great way to bounce back, partner. Brad, you cannot lie to people that way. You know, all of you know, we did not get up 20 minutes. <laughs> we did not get up early enough to be sitting here for the last 20 minutes, twiddling our thumbs, being like, I can't wait for the show to start. I suffer from what my family calls magical thinking. I think that I need just the right amount of time to make it to a deadline or a destination. And I frequently underestimate the amount of time that is needed to get there or be there. Uh, Ray Heward and I, you know, full disclosure, are just in time Friday daily drop in hosts. So we're just, we're popping in, we're getting set up. It's good to go, good to go. And then on we go. So you know, I'm happy that magical thinking hasn't made me late yet. Brad, okay, first of all, we have to dive into that. I love the concept of magical thinking. But <laughs> I actually like that we like come in and then we don't really have time to talk. We just start the show because then any dialogue we needed to have around the show, we just have live with our family here at Daily Drop-In. So it's totally- Yeah, for sure. And, and as our viewers and listeners know, once we get started, it, it's sometimes hard to get us to stop. And so if we were conversing, you know, for 15, 20 minutes before, A, we would be all out of energy. We wouldn't have any great new ideas to share with you. And B, we just might forget to go on air because we'd be going, you know, well, what about this? What, have you heard about that? And uh, we just go on and on, right? Honestly, Brad, though, I also love getting your authentic response to things. And so I like that- for most of our guests, but especially on Fridays, we don't share any secrets of what each other has prepared. <laughs> and I, I like that uh, real reaction that we're able to have when we're streaming on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch early in the morning. Well, that's what the live broadcast life is all about, isn't it? Just being authentic, being real, being in the moment with uh, people that are tuning in for us and you know, being in the moment for each other. So tell me about this magic timing thing, because it's Friday. We're going to start out slow, friends. You guys yeah, know that we good. are here every single morning for you. But Fridays, we we ease into the day. We know it's a Friday morning and we're all getting started. So if you have any questions that you want us to um, like respond to that maybe aren't like education questions, throw those in. We'll, we'll talk through that first and then we'll get into the good stuff. But what about the timing? I kind of envisioned you as somebody who's always early and you're not that kind of person. I'm not. I, I wish I was. And I know that the people around me wish I was too, but I, I'm not sure where the thinking process goes, Ray, but I kind of think backwards from the 
the least amount of time that I need or the actual amount of time, say on Google Maps, it says, okay, you need 12 minutes to make it to location X. And so that's the 12 minutes. And what I forget to take into account is things come up between your, you know, the time that you leave and the time that you're supposed to arrive on your destination. And so uh, frequently my loved ones and, and, and maybe even colleagues think, where's Brad? Is Brad going to like, I'll show up just on time or, you know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds late and say, thanks for your patience. Just made it in. It's like, yeah, I got to get this magical thinking under control. Okay, wait, though. I think I'm more impressed that you can show up exactly on time or even 30 seconds late. Like, I have some respect for that. But, yeah, you kind of forget, like, oh, it takes time to walk to the car. It takes time oh, to yeah. get out of the car. It takes time to maybe get in the car and you have to go fill up, get gas in your car. Like, oh, it adds so much time to your day. Well, I'm not sure how uh, your morning routine is, but frequently I'll I'll start part of my morning routine. And then the next time I look at the clock radio, it's like, where did 20 minutes go? What have I been doing? I, uh, anyway, it's uh, magical thinking is uh, something I need to keep working on. Well, I have to say, it's okay, Brad. We work well together. I'm the awkward person that I only, I maybe, I don't know if anybody will, if this will resonate with anybody. So please tell me, please tell me that there is a Teach Better family member that can kind of meet me in the middle here on this concept. But I don't know why, Brad. I don't know if it's my brain. I don't know if it's a personality issue. I don't know. I only work in 15 minute increments. Okay. So I am either always like 15 minutes early or a half an hour early. Like I have no ability to not work in 15 minute increments when it oh. comes to something like beginning, like a time where you have to be somewhere. So someone's like, oh, let's meet at six o'clock for dinner. And I'm like, okay, my options are either be there at like 545, which is a little too early if you're going to show up for dinner, you're waiting around for 15 minutes. Or I show up at six or like, I don't know. Yeah. That at least gives you a little bit of lead time. And I, I, I think it might mean that you're, you and your Calendly are spending just way too much time together. I'm not sure if that's what that means, but in our, in our, yeah, in my school life, we're doing things on the tens, twenties and fifties just because of the way our bell times are. Yeah. And so, oh yeah, we'll have a meeting at uh, 1110 or 1150 or at uh, 120. To, uh, and I'm wondering if any of our other Teach Better family members are like that too, where Monday to Friday, you live by the the bell times. And gosh, there are some days when I wish that I wasn't turning on my heel when I hear a bell. I expect to hear bells on the weekend too. But uh, yeah, you live okay. by the bell and you go with it. That I totally understand. But I had the same problem in the classroom because mm -hmm. a class would end at like, like 1043. But I'm like, I don't have a 1043 in my calendar. I only have a 1045. So I'm just going to be two <laughs> minutes late. Or I would like be struggling because I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought we had five minutes. We only have three. These are the struggles of life, friends. These are the struggles. Ray, it reminds me of a time uh, shortly after a new uh, a contract was negotiated with elementary teachers that our period length shifted to 47 and a half minutes. Oh my and I'm not sure who was watching the 30 seconds on the half minute, but yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was an interesting thing to navigate. Oh my goodness. Well, you know what, friends? It's bright and early. It's 7.07 .07 Eastern time right now. And if nothing else, we just want to encourage you to not be late today. Wherever you're going, try and be exactly on time if you have that beautiful skill. I really don't. You should always be a little bit early. Adam threw in the comments, if you're not 10 minutes early, you're late. If you're on time, you're late. So Brad, that means that Adam is saying, I'm always on time and you're always late. Yeah. And I need to heed Adam's advice. And I, I often hear, well, if you, if you allowed extra time, it would be more relaxing for you on the journey. And I know that I'm just, I'm just not there yet. There we go. I love this growth mindset, Brad. Not That's right. there yet. <laughs> so perfect. Well, 
as we get started for this Friday morning, it's good to see all of you. Thank you for throwing in the comments. We love your good morning messages and everything in between. Adam is saying that he actually hit up Starbucks this morning, not for coffee though. I don't know what that means. If you say, I'm going to read the, read the message specifically. Good morning, Ray and Brad. I actually hit up Starbucks this morning, dot, 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 not for coffee though. To me, Brad, maybe in my tired state, my alarm didn't go off this morning, that to me means that he robbed a Starbucks. <laughs> uh, it, it could be. There, there may be some obscure and specific menu item at Starbucks that is that. Oh, there it is right there. Passion tea lemonade and lemon loaf. Wow. That's an amazing double, double lemon combination. I love lemon. I don't eat enough lemon in my life, but like secret fun fact of Ray, I think one of my favorite foods is lemon. Like I love lemon. That's just, true. just lemon Ray, like a slice of lemon or like well, a lemon wedge or lemon in things or what? No, that's really sour. I feel like that yeah. makes my mouth hurt. But like yeah. anything lemon, like a lemon poppy seed muffin or like lemon chicken. Like I love lemon. I need more lemon in my life. Ray, uh, I I, can't, I think it was with Katie Miglin, you were discussing candies and M&Ms. And I'm wondering if you have lemon heads in the U.S. and if lemon heads are on your on your must do or must go your go to candy list. We do have lemon heads. Yeah. Yes, I, I think I do like lemon heads. But to be honest, I don't need a lot of candy. I don't have a lot of instances in my personal life where someone's like, Hey, Ray, want a lemon head? Like that's not something that happens to me. I don't know. Why. If that's happening to you a lot, I mean, friends, let us know in the comments, but you know, I, I, I can't think of a time when someone said, Hey, Brad, would you like a lemon head? I, no, yes. no. Yeah. It's a missed, missed opportunity. Maybe today yeah. we need to offer each other more lemon heads. I think during Halloween that happens more often where it's like, Hey, yeah. Brad, I have a bowl of candy. Would you like something in it? Like that happens yeah. more frequently. Or gonna... the best secretaries ever that have candy right? on their desk. Oh, I think I'm jumping the gun a bit here, Ray, but uh, on our list of uh, upcoming holidays, it says that this Sunday is National Share a Lemonhead Day. So you heard it here first, everyone. Share a Lemonhead Day is this Sunday. Uh, you know, do it for your loved ones. And can we clarify, Brad? Sometimes we have national holidays. Give a friend a Lemonhead Day is going to be a global phenomenon. This is not a just U.S. North America holiday. This is going to be a global event. Sure. Yeah, and we don't want this conversation to leave a sour taste in your mouth at all. We just want to make sure that we're, you know, we're, we're sharing the sweet side of life with you here. And, you know, this idea could have a lot of appeal, a lot of appeal with, with the lemon heads. If, Guys, I don't know, just give it a why, try. This is why I love Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> You're so kind. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. Okay, we are definitely getting people up and moving this morning, which I love. These comments are flowing in. Brad, everyone loves a good pun. Everyone loves a fake global holiday. Let's actually, let's actually get into, like, the holidays we're celebrating today. We have a good news story and maybe eventually we'll get into some education stuff. We'll see. Fantastic. Brad, someday we are going to have a real show like the Daily Drop-In that has like a production team where mm -hmm. there's going to be like 10 people in front of you that are like holding up cue cards and like hitting the, the, like um, what's that button that like says applause to the crowd, like an in, yep. in-studio audience. You know what I mean? And one of those days I'm going to be able to refill my coffee on the show. Cause I'm almost out and we're 11 minutes in friends. Ray, I think at the very most as you know, the CXO of our, 
teach better team and family, you should have a PA, a production assistant, assistant right there with you just to keep just to keep refilling your coffee. Uh, I've got an on-air sign right up there that I rigged up myself just to make me feel like really uh, in the groove. And I've, I've asked family members if they'd be willing to be my production assistants. And I've, I've got a polite but firm no on that. That's too bad. I wonder yeah. if maybe they'll come around or maybe maybe somebody will volunteer. Like in the comments, maybe someone will be like, pick me and they'll come to your house bright and early in the morning. And like, that's the weird part, friends. Like if you're going to be here to refill my coffee, while I'll appreciate you, that means you're coming over to my house every morning at 530. I don't know how you feel about that, but. <laughs> it I sounds mean, like a great way to spend the morning. I mean, it would be something. Let me tell you, you could, you'd be able to hang out with the dogs. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. It'd be good. My, my coffee machine's a little loud though. So you'd need to like leave the room, click the button on the machine, let it make all the noise out there and then come back into my office and fill it up. So I don't know. I think we could, I think we could do it. Right. Does the noise come from the, uh, the beans grinding uh, fresh for you just before they uh, brew? Oh, that would be a wonderful sound to hear in the morning. No. Yeah, I, I, I need to introduce you to our coffee maker because that's exactly what it does. And it's uh, it's pretty awesome. Will you take a picture of it for me? I would love to see it because I will say yeah. I love my coffee maker. It's like one of my favorite things that are in my house, including the dogs. I mean, it's like third really on the list, um, but no coffee grinding. I would love to see what your coffee machine looks like. Fantastic. I'll make sure that gets to you ASAP. I love it. All right. As we get started this morning, there are some holidays. And I was telling Brad right before we came on, I was like, you're going to like the holidays. They're a little more serious today, but I have a feeling, Brad, that you can find some silver lining in them. Um, the first one I think is a no brainer, huge holiday. Everyone not only has been celebrating every single day for the last two years, but will continue to celebrate today. It is global hand washing day. Mm. So as all of you are getting you know, set for your day, getting ready for your day, progressing through your day. Please be aware of being safe. Wash your hands. Continue to be safe for all CDC COVID protocol. I know that they are different state to state, different area to area, community to community. But whatever you need to do to stay safe, please, please, please wash your hands. So Brad, have you washed your hands this morning? Multiple times. Squeaky clean. Even use some hand sanitizer this morning. It's part of our routine. Wonderful. I love it. So that's very important. It's also a national cheese curd day. Have you ever had a cheese curd? Love them. Yeah, I've had both white and orange. And uh, uh, here in my neck of the woods, uh, some people call it squeaky cheese uh, because of the kind of the squeak or the, the yeah, it's kind of a like a texture thing that happens when you chew on these cheese curds. Maybe our Teach Better family is aware of squeaky cheese, but yeah, I love them. I love, I love a good cheese curd, especially like I live in the Midwest. You guys know that friend. So like Wisconsin is typically a, a great spot for a cheese curd. Um, I will say, Brad, it confuses me a little bit going to a restaurant that offers appetizers. So I'm sure that like, you've seen a variety, but when they have cheese curds and mozzarella sticks, to me, I don't quite understand having both. It's the same food in different size. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's a lot of cheese, I got to say. And, and especially if you're doing as an appetizer, if you have one or the other, but not both, unless you're going in just for the appetizer and it's like, okay, I'm done. Thanks very much. But uh, I see that Sandra is uh, is weighing in on uh, on the cheese curd, curds and whey. Thanks for that, Sandra. And uh, poutine is a, a, a specialty in many parts of Canada. I know in the US too. So you can't have poutine without the cheese curds. Okay, so full transparency, friends. We're just going to get off off topic all, all morning this morning, Brad. But so I have a celebrity crush 
on Kelly Ripa. I think mm -hmm. she's the coolest person ever. And I secretly just like want to be her best friend. I don't know why she hasn't accepted my best friend request yet, but it will happen. She just did a show with Ryan Seacrest on Kelly and Ryan Live where they talked all about poutine because they went to, they were like doing a, okay, now I'm describing this terribly, but they were, they're doing this like traveling through the globe, whatever. And one of the places they recently were in was Canada talking about poutine. And I had no idea what this was. I just learned about this. So do you have a favorite style of poutine? Like, tell me more. I, I don't have a favorite style. Uh, I love it when it's fresh hot uh and and pretty simple i mean i, I think different uh, restaurants will serve you different varieties of their own signature or house specialty poutine with all kinds of different toppings but uh, I, I like it simple you know cheese curds uh gravy fresh hot and and maybe a sprinkle of uh of bacon bits on top there there you go i don't know that i am a gravy person mm -hmm. but i think after like hearing about this i need to change my thinking maybe i just haven't had good gravy that's yeah. Cool. Uh, Ray, a little known fact is that uh, French fries, uh, you know, most people think they originated in France, but they are, they were originally cooked in Greece. Really? Yeah. In Greece. Get it in Greece. All right. I got one more holiday for you, Brad. And this <laughs> I think is really, really relevant to, to you. Um, this really feels like a holiday that, that you would struggle to celebrate. And I just want to challenge you to embrace it really stay open-minded. Okay. It is national grouch day. So, um, uh, if you, I don't know if you have a good, like grouchy face, but today's national grouch day. So if you're feeling a little off, a little grouchy, just tell people that you're celebrating the holiday. Um, it, there are times in my day when I <laughs> maybe just have to close my office door and be a grouch, or maybe I save the best for the folks at work and at home. It's like, what's wrong with you? Are you okay? But yeah, I, I can embrace my inner grouch anytime. Yeah. So if you see a student walking down the hall with a sour face, obviously we're walking up and we're saying, good morning, how are you? If they stay grouchy, then you look at them and you say, are you celebrating National Grouch Day? That's today, October 15th. They're so good. Thanks for being Right, so and if they've got that sour expression where you can offer, the, offer them a lemon head, maybe turn that frown upside down. I love it. So good. Brad, do you have a grouch-filled news story for us this morning or is this one going to be positive? It's going to be positive, and um, this is uh, this is our um, or of the either or uh, challenge we had last Friday, Ray. Uh, last Friday we had two good news stories. This is the second good news story, and I've titled this "The Nose That Knows." Uh, and so I want to start off, Ray, by asking: When was the last time you had an opportunity to sit in or drive or drive away in a new car? Oh, not for a while. I do love my car, but. It's a, it's a few years old. So not, I have not been in a new car in a long time. New car passengers and drivers will often remark on that new car smell. Are you familiar with that? Yes, I am. I love it. What if I told you that car manufacturer Nissan employs a staff member who has enhanced senses to ensure its products have that all important new car smell? Oh my God. Tell me more. Yeah. So Peter Carl Eastland is the man with the nose that knows. He's got a master's degree in chemistry and forensic science. He also possesses an extremely acute sense of smell, a gift he realizes he's had since an early age, allows him to identify more than 15 smell categories. And so Nissan recognized he has literally the nose for the job and appointed him as the odor evaluation lead engineer uh, at its European Technical Center in Bedfordshire, England. So his job is to ensure 
that the consumer experience in the new cash Kai model from Nissan isn't compromised by any unappealing odors. And so he can identify the difference between the new car smell that's Nissan standard and any off odors that may be in the new product before it goes off the assembly line to the consumer that's anticipating that new car smell, right? What if that was your job? How would you feel about that, Brad? If that, if I had that specialized talent, Ray, and I, I was contributing to the company and, and I felt that I was contributing something good back in the world, I'd be all over it. And this kind of reminds me of, you know, an opportunity to bring this conversation in to our classrooms and into our staff rooms is each of us has uh, specific talents that add value to our communities or to our workplaces. And so, uh, this, uh, Peter Eastland has this knows that knows. And so I wonder what unique gifts or talents or, uh, contributions our kids and our colleagues are making because of, uh, something that's distinct about them. Mm. I want to get paid to smell coffee all day. Uh, I feel like I could do that. I don't know I, what skill I would bring to them. I just feel like still smells good, you know, like every time, but, um, I, I think that would be a cool job. That'd be a cool job. I feel that that's actually a thing. Like, and I was thinking about Adam with his stop at Starbucks. I'm, I'm, I'm nearly certain that, uh, coffee manufacturers and brands like Starbucks or here in Canada, Tim Hortons, they, they would employ people who are coffee nosers and coffee tasters. And, uh, another really interesting nose that knows is, uh, is someone who's an onologist, a, a wine specialist. And, um, in, in my family, my daughter is a super taster. So she has an extremely acute sense of taste to the point where there are many, uh, kind of, there are many flavors that are, that are so strong, they're off-putting. And so, you know, someone like that could have an incredible gift for, you know, uh, food services or the wine industry. I think I, I've always thought that maybe if, uh, if Megan and I teamed up, I could be the grape grower and the blender and she could be the, uh, the noser and the taster and we could have a family winery startup. Well, see, I was going to ask you, Brad, like if you weren't in education, what job would you go do that? That would be such a fun opportunity to work with your daughter and create wine. The teach better family. I'm confident would support you in that. I love it. Oh yeah, I think so. I think we could have our own private label, Ray. And uh, yeah, the sky's the limit. We just have to get, uh, <laughs> we just have to uh, make sure that our day jobs can get, get taken care of before we make that shift to uh, to our dream jobs. Yes, we are encouraging all Teach Better family members to stay in education. We have a lot of work <laughs> to do here. We can't have you leaving. But if you were to have a different dream job, I'd love to hear that in the comments. Mm -hmm. What you would go do if you if you, like. Pretend money wasn't a factor. Let's pretend like location wasn't a concern. If you could do any job without like disrupting other things that you very much value and love, what would you go do? I would love to hear that in the comments. Kind of get people going, get people thinking this morning, typing their answers. I think, Brad, I got into education by being a dance teacher. Oh. My vision was always that I was going to open a dance studio or own a dance studio of some sort and, you know, kind of teach five-year-olds ballet. That was kind of the vision. So um, I think if I had another job that I was going to go do, I'd probably like go back to that realm. I thought that was such a fun job to be able to have. I used to teach point ballet. It was so fun. Incredible. I've got a really neat coincidence to share with you. And that is my first principal, whose name is Betty Adams. Betty got her start in education as a dancer and dance teacher as well. Uh, after retiring as a principal and contributing to some faculty of education work, she is now in Ottawa and she is now the academic principal of Canada's National Ballet School. 
So it's come full circle for Betty and Ray. It could come full circle for you too. You just never know where those connections are going to circle back in your career. I secretly would love it. Like if any of you know, not that I'm necessarily like, I love the Teach Better team, I'm not going anywhere. But if you know of like a dance school or a dance studio that wants to bring me in just so I can be around it again, I would love it. Uh, the studio that I truly believe like crafted my future has recently closed. But I used to go there like once a year, once a, once a, like multiple times a year, just to walk in and like soak up the energy of a fun dance environment. Such good people there. But we've got a lot of answers this morning. Hotel mm -hmm. management or an event planner. That would be a really cool job, Brad. I feel like that's kind of what Katie Miglin does right now for the Teach Better team. She's like a full-time teacher and does all the event planning for our team. Ray, I, I may or may not have heard something about a Teach Better 22 conference. And I wonder if uh, we could circle Adam into that uh conference planning mode it, it we've got a hidden talent there that he wants to express no better time done adam you need to come help us at the teach better event those details will be announced <clears throat> nudge nudge later this month and brad <laughs> by the by even though i'm i'm going to be really careful here not spilling secrets mm -hmm. you are a part of that announcement and you sent me something to support the announcement and it made my entire day yesterday just That's incredible. And I really hope that you were impressed by the high production value uh, that, I, that was oh, yeah. that was provided as part of our uh, as our uh, part of our big media reveal. So I'm I'm glad that that made your day. <laughs> oh, so good. Andrea is in the comment saying that she wants to read audiobooks. Okay, Andrea, I am shocked mm. that you just said that because in a really non creepy way, I love Andrea's voice. The way she speaks, I I would I literally could listen to Andrea talk for hours. I would love for you to read audiobooks. I love I love that idea for Andrea. I love that journey for you, Andrea. And what I'll say too is, Andrea, when I listen to you and Ray on the Teach Better Daily Drop In on the podcast, many podcasts I speed up to like 1.5, 1.75. Your broadcast, I slow down so I can just savor the awesomeness of your voice. It's soothing, it's warm, it's inviting, and it's got this just infectious. It's it's like you've got a giggle ready, but it's not not quite there. It's just like it's so inviting. So Andrea, oh uh, follow that dream. You and you'll make you, you'll be you'll be adding value and service uh to kids or adults listening to you read. It's I think that's a really great match. I would absolutely listen to Andrea's voice. Andrea, we're not saying that you should leave uh, any responsibilities you have right now you just need to figure out a way to take this on as another another job another hobby you guys know that i listen to a lot of content like that's how i consume my content and if that could be consumed in andrea's voice oh my gosh i would love it because you know like those okay i won't say the name but those music boxes we have in our homes or mm -hmm. there's like a, a a person on our phone that we could talk to i would love if it was andrea's voice how cool would that be um there, there there's a um there's a, an NPR show called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, where you can win the voice of one of the NPR celebrities as your home answering machine. And so I wonder if we had like a contest on the uh, the Wednesday Brain Break, uh, maybe you could have your answering machine be Andrea or your favorite voice from the Teach Better family. Uh, just going to put that out there. I would love it. No, I would love it. <laughs> we're going to make that happen. Okay, Brad, we are like completely behind schedule. And all we're going to do is talk about Andrea for the next five minutes because we love her. She was a part of the Daily Drop-In on Tuesday this week. So if you need to soak up some Andrea, 
Um, that is definitely an episode to head back to. We're going to head into Brainstorm Bank really quick, take your questions, talk mastery learning. And then we also have to kind of recap the week, which we'll try and maybe do those together. But you know, Brad, that's my favorite commercial. So we're going to have to play it, even though we're going to put these things together. So really quick, Brainstorm Bank, and we're going to try and fly through the rest of this show. <laughs> All right, friends, happy Friday, October 15th. We have a ton going on this week as we continue to talk about mastery learning. During our Brainstorm Bank segment, you guys know that everything that we do here is just intentionally taking a time to say, hey, do you need anything? If you have questions for us or if you ever need anybody to brainstorm with, this is a segment where we like to open up the door to say, we are here to support you regardless of what you may have going on. So feel free, feel free to put any questions in the comments and we will be here to support you. Brad, we have had a lot of Teach Better family members as guests this week talking mastery learning, which is obviously a lot of the work that our internal team does is we go into districts, we partner with communities, and we support teachers specifically in providing a progressive classroom to their students. I know that this is a topic that we talk about a lot on the team, but you and I have actually never talked mastery learning. So I'm excited to get your perspective on this week's discussion. I'm excited to share it. And I've so enjoyed this week's discussion and I'm absolutely a mastery learning novice and something that I found really heartening for myself as someone new to the mastery approach or maybe any of our listeners or uh, viewers that are new is that it's likely that in our schools mastery learning is happening in ways that are uh, packaged or captured in different ways and so what i've been learning this week in conversation with your guest ray is that mastery learning provides the structure that brings your school community your, your school classroom community together uh, to get those things done, and 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 so I have, I, I've been, uh, I've been great. To, I've been happy to receive some of Ray's ridiculous questions about things, and I, as a, as a newbie, I have ridiculous questions to share with you too. So as we unpack this, I, I just might throw a few out there. I think we should. Yeah, I think it's funny. You know, mastery learning is obviously this like massive, massive, massive topic. It's almost, it's almost comical when we have themes like this, and we've had a few over the weeks that we've been able to relaunch daily drop in, where we're talking about this huge idea in five days and five hours with different guests and different perspectives. And so I feel like we've been able to, to touch on, on this idea this week, just begin to hopefully wet people's taste buds. But, you know, truly this is a, this is a topic that you can learn about for years. Many of us have been learning about it and, and, you know, reading the research for years. And more importantly, I love that you summed that up, Brad, that, that it is a concept that is really just providing the structure, the foundational base for then educators to run with it. So as we've focused on some core concepts throughout the week, um, you know, there's so many different avenues that we could go in talking about this. So it's been really fun. A couple of things that really resonated with me, Ray, first is, is peeling back the layers and taking away the mystery of learning goals and targets for kids in, in a systemic way. Um, we know that kids and adults can pretty much hit any goals that they're aware of as long as they know what the goals are and they know what the steps they are the steps are to achieve it and they know what support structures are in place to achieve it too the second thing is that it can be a really connective experience between the educator and his or her students again when, once you peel back the mystery of of why we're doing what we do and 
um, as Megan was saying with middle schoolers, especially, or, you know, kids that are able to both contribute to, but also understand the why they, they feel invited into the educational conversation. And it's always great when education is something that happens with kids, not just to them. Mm. I couldn't agree more. I I think the only reason, this is really a dramatic statement, but my favorite reason for mastery learning is only so I could build a better relationships with students. Uh-huh. I know that like it's also good and it's effective and blah, 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 blah. I know that part. But for me as a teacher that thrived on that like student back and forth, joking and dialogue and relationship building and like that is why I feel so confident sticking with mastery learning in a classroom because I love the opportunities. It opens up so many doors for the teacher to have more contact with the humans in their classroom. I just that that really like hits at the core of my own personal why. That's amazing. And, and by extension too, what I was learning this week is that not only does that relationship between teacher and student flourish, but there's the possibility for relationships among the students to flourish as kids with different levels of mastery support each other in the learning. And it also empowers kids as reflective learners to think, maybe I don't understand that, or maybe I don't apply that, or maybe I don't get it the way I thought I get it, got it after discussing with my teacher or discussing with my classmates and I can go back. And so there's this amazing, you know, I think it's like a conversation, just like I said, it's a give and take between instruction, practice, reflection, and then moving forward. And then it also provides a system or a framework where kids learn to incorporate the feedback. And I heard Megan say that uh, she was revisiting some concepts and, and doing some like specific teaching on, okay, you've got the feedback you need to be taught how to incorporate. Like I think as teachers, we it, it, it may be very, very easy in our stressful, busy lives to say, they didn't get it, moving on, or they didn't get it. It must be something about the kids. M- maybe the kids do not yet know how to incorporate the feedback or what to do with it. They're, they're eager to please and they're eager to learn. But sometimes, again, we just have to peel back the layers and make those things really clear for the kids. Yeah, Brett, I don't know that we got there at, on any segment this week, but one of the most important things to emphasize with mastery learning is that self-paced doesn't mean on your own independently. And I think that is like one of my most frustrating misconceptions that I try and debunk as quickly as possible when talking about mastery learning. And I, I guess I don't think it came up this week, but to your point, student to student interaction, student to student collaboration, teaching and exploration is essential in classrooms. It's a non-negotiable. Students need to be talking to each other. And so sometimes it makes me weary when educators are exploring mastery learning. They're thinking, okay, all my students are working self-paced on their own. They're mastering content on their own before moving forward. That concept is true, but on your own doesn't mean in isolation. On your own just means you're on your own journey, but just like we all do as we're driving down the street in the car, you're still bumping into people, you're still making (laughs) turns and joining different groups, you're parking in a parking lot with lots of other cars, you're not just like in a world on your own with no one else to to be there to support you, to collaborate with you, to laugh with you, you're just on your own journey of life, which we all are every single day, so um, super great that that was able to come up today, Mm -hmm. I think that was a, a missed opportunity in in this week's conversation what makes the daily drop-in great and what we've tried to name to everyone is that 
this is the beginning of a conversation that can continue. And there are lots of avenues for us to continue the learning, continue the conversation. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, Ray, too, is as how inspired I was uh, by your conversation uh, most recently with Megan, where Megan identified that kids were bored, frustrated, and disengaged. And so rather than blaming the kids, she said, what is it about what's happening in our classroom that is is going to improve the situation? Because maybe it's me, and maybe it's our structure, and maybe it's how the classroom is organized or managed. And she she realized that all kids need differentiation in terms of their pacing, in terms of the content. Some are ready to speed up. Some need review to slow down. Uh, and uh, what I was really inspired by is this this makes differentiation uh, intentional and possible. And it makes different. It, it invites the kids into the differentiation conversation. So it's not just, okay, educators are going to prepare an IEP because you have these specific learning needs. We're going to present the IEP to the parents or caregivers. How about we invite the kids into the conversation? And, and this is what uh, mastery learning and what, you know, the, 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 um, the, the framework that's provided offers that opportunity, not just for one, but for all essential for some, but good for all. Oh, I love that essential for some, but good for all. Um, you know, I'm, I'm giving a spoiler alert. I don't know that I'm allowed to talk about this, but I'm pretty sure Jeff Gargas is still sleeping. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but spoiler alert next week, we have a new course launching in the teach better Academy and it's called Stu incorporating student voice in parent teacher conferences, mm. because we know that parent teacher conferences are prevalent throughout the education community right now. And we have some tips and tricks on how you can get ahead to try and ensure that students' voices are being shared in those parent-teacher conference discussions. And one of the things I can honestly say is early in my career, I not only didn't incorporate student voice like I should, but I also am very cognizant that parents gave me the heebie-jeebies. I was so nervous all the time to talk to parents. And parent-teacher conferences was like one of the most stressful times every year because I knew parents, lots and lots of parents, were gonna come interact with me and have questions for me. And I took that as such a negative. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're gonna question the work I'm doing and I'm gonna have to explain why I made certain decisions throughout the year. They might even have specific instances they're gonna bring to me that I need to make sure I know why and how that situation came about and concluded. And I just found that so stressful that I had to explain the work that I was doing. And I, I can be honest, Brad, when I transitioned into mastery learning, there's so much research to support the methodology of identifying a standard, working your way through the backwards design, making sure students have targets and small objectives that they're meeting day by day, like ensuring they understand a concept before moving forward. I then lost so much of that stress when talking to parents because I really did know why we were doing something in the classroom. Like I really did understand why the student was working on that target before attempting another one. And, and it just made that explanation so much easier. Having students be active members of those conversations and having a framework to refer to is a real key to reducing tension around those important conversations because it's called a third point of contact. It's something that you can refer to off mm -hmm. to the side or so you can invite another person to the conversation. So it's not teacher versus parent striving to understand each other and anticipating a struggle. It's working together. It's a conversation, not a confrontation. Conversation about a third point of reference, which is your mastery grid or whatever portfolio of student work you have or whatever uh, achievements that the child wants to celebrate. And so 
that third point of contact is crucial to reducing the stress and tension around any important conversation. And I can really see how it added tremendous value to that that shift, Ray, when you made the shift to mastery learning and the grid method uh, in, in how you approach those conversations, because it was no longer me versus parent. It was me, parent and kid coming around the achievement that's happened. Oh, yes. I love students being in, uh, active members in their learning. And I, while I think that's modeled really well in classrooms, it has to also be modeled outside of the classroom in the parent-teacher conference instances and everything else. The more ownership, the more opportunity you can provide your students for them to share their voice and lend their perspective. I mean, how cool is it? You guys know this. How cool is it when you are asked a question by a parent because they're eager to learn about their child's education or what's going on in the school and the student is able to, to give the answer that as the teacher you would have shared or they do it better than the way that the teacher would have shared. Like, I love those moments because that is a learning community. I love that. It's, uh, it's, it's so, it's so wonderful when those moments happen. And, and it also speaks to uh, the intention with which educators, students and, and parents communicate up to and including those conferences, because there's a tremendous amount of importance and, uh, you know, just like you said, pressure, worry associated with these one-off meetings with parents. And so if you can front load communication before those uh, conferences happen, including student voice, then again, that can really take the pressure off those things because it's just another part of an ongoing conversation rather than something that we anticipate with, 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 with fear or worry. So, Brad, obviously, we were able to talk about this all week long. We'll go into a recap of the week, although I know we've done some here, but I just really want yeah. to put the commercial, so we'll do that in a second. <laughs> but really, that's it, guys. We've already kind of given you an insight on the week, but I don't care. I want to click the button. Um, but if you had to, Brad, identify either one question that you have or a question that we didn't talk about this week, or maybe it's a question that doesn't need an answer, but we want to post to the community, any like final thoughts on this? mastery learning concept. I mean, we've done so much this week on this topic, but like we said, it's a really big concept. So any like underlying questions that you feel like you're still carrying? Uh, in my own head, yeah. And I, I think the word uh, mastery, I've got those voices in my head asking me questions all the time. Uh, but uh, in so question, newbie question for me is what's what puts the mastery or what is the mastery in mastery learning, in my in my educational sphere, uh, content mastery is is not part of the vocabulary. It, it probably is referred to by something else, uh, achievement or understanding, or so that's 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 newbie question number one. And I guess newbie question number two is it's just as you said, it's it's unpacking the perception or misperception that it looks like presenting kids with uh, a grid or a series of steps and saying, okay, go to it. But there's there. You know, so quite like, what's the role of direct instruction? What's the role of uh, testing? How frequently? And and are there more products that you're looking for other than quizzes and tests, um, observations, conversations, and and what kind of products? So those are my newbie questions that uh, that are still with me as I I leave our week together. Oh, those are great newbie questions, Brad. And I love these types of questions, whether they be newbie questions or not newbie questions, because we're all on different journeys throughout this mm -hmm. process. And living in different communities, vocabulary changes that doesn't diminish the, the concepts that we're discussing. So just for the sake of, of quick transparency, and then obviously there's a ton of resources for our community to continue to explore. When we've been saying the concept of, of mastery, a student meeting mastery, it's just a student understanding the target meeting, understanding the standard or meeting the target. So when you say, 
hey, I really, really, really want this student to be able to add multi-digit integers. And so the concept of meeting mastery was you as the teacher feel so confident that they carry an understanding to be successful mm. in that area. And then obviously you're moving on to maybe the next layer that that moves into that. So as we, it's a great concept. As we continue to say mastery, we're just talking about you as the educator using your professional experience to say, yep, I feel confident that this student is, is understanding the idea and can handle another layer of challenge on this concept to continue their growth in this area. So that's a great one. In terms of, you know, layering all these pieces together, your question was, you know, what type of evidence do we look like? I think that really, that door opened for me when I moved into mastery learning. And obviously that's a huge concept, but we've been talking a lot about this framework, quote unquote, right? Finding a mastery learning framework that a teacher can work within. What I love about the grid method, and you've heard me talk about this this week, is that yes, the framework, the teacher side, the content side is great. That's super duper helpful. But for me, I need the practical, the classroom management side to be able to facilitate whatever content I'm doing. So I love that you need both. And for me, opening up a mastery learning classroom, you're able to actually take in so much more evidence of learning. We did talk a lot this week on formative and summative assessments and using assessments to evaluate student understanding. But I think one of the things I've always loved about a mastery learning classroom is that because I am not the content delivery system for the full 47 and a half minutes in a classroom, it gives me the time to step back and look around the room and take in evidence on a constant basis. Like small 30 second conversations with students gives me so much information. And when I'm so busy talking at the students rather than interacting with the students, I don't get the same information. So mm -hmm. while that wasn't quite an answer for you, Brad, in terms of the, the, the deep, deep question you asked, I think the answer overall is yes, classrooms should be an organic ecosystem of learning. And it shouldn't just be small, isolated instance where you're gathering data, but even moments when you are talking with a student and then turning to look across the room at a student, that in and of itself is collecting data. And how cool is that teachers get to be able to do that on a constant basis? So neat. Incredible. And I've heard you use that word, and we've used that word ecosystem to describe classroom and learning communities. And when we when we consider ecosystem, I, I, I may have mentioned before, I, I, can, I think of uh, growth, oxygen, uh, wellness, green, um, and ecosystems also have an underlying structure. They have an underlying order upon which that growth is founded. And so, uh, yeah, so lots more for me to learn and dive into. And as we mentioned, this is a part of an ongoing conversation that we can continue to have sparked by our daily drop-ins. Oh, so good. Let's recap the week because we actually talked about a resource that might be helpful as people get exploring. So let's do a little recap. I need to figure out... What button it is though? Why? Oh, here we go. The one that says recap. We'll be right back. Perfect. Brad, I think we just do a daily drop in where we click all the commercials in a row and compare the audio. <laughs> I think we'll do that. So uh, you know, we'll unpack each audio. We'll we can do like a technical unpacking of it. You know, you know, beat count and uh, 
uh, pitch or key. And then we can actually take a look at the and unpack the emotions around it. But that's that's the one that just hits. That means we're recapping our great week here at, at Daily Drop-In. I know. I just want to like like put a numerical scale, numerical mm-hmm. grade on each one that is like, what's the danceability of this tune? What's the danceability? Yeah. Like that one always gets me. Um, good morning, everyone. We're so thrilled that you've been able to join us for Daily Drop-In. We've been all over the place during this hour segment, and we <laughs> have just had such a blast. We started this morning with um, a little bit of fun and then we got into holidays. And then we talked about good news stories. We've been talking about mastery learning in terms of our brainstorm bank, taking questions. And now we're kind of recapping the week. And this is kind of the last focus of our Friday, being able to say, hey, how'd this week go? If you missed anything, head back to these resources, go back and listen to an episode. And then obviously we have a new theme starting next week. So it's wonderful to have you here. Brad, we had some really good discussion I think one of the most noteworthy things is that if you did not join Wednesday, Wednesday was a wonderful time with the one and only Katie Miglin, who's on our team. Um, but what I loved is that at the very, very end of Wednesday, we always have recommendations for um, educators to go look at other resources to continue their exploration. And while we normally wouldn't do this, our recommendation this week was teachbetter.com slash the grid method. Because as I said on Wednesday, and I wholeheartedly believe it, whether you choose to use the Teach Better Team framework of mastery learning or another framework, go explore, go compare and contrast, find the one that works best for you. I am biased. I love the grid method. It changed my life. But please go look at other, other things. Regardless of what you use, teachbetter.com slash the grid method has a lot of resources. So even if you go use a different framework, even if you don't fully implement mastery learning, Either way, there's downloads there, there's courses there, there's blogs there that will hopefully get your mind thinking, hopefully get you started in the right direction of your exploration of mastery learning. So throughout the week, to be honest, I felt like that was a really noteworthy uh, focus. I wanted just to give a shout out here to Katie, because not only she stepped in Wednesday morning, but truly stepped up. Like I'm always so impressed with what Katie brings, uh, even just, just in time. Uh, Katie, you've got an incredible depth of, uh, of skill, educational knowledge, and the ability to have a great conversation to get that, uh, to get those great thoughts out there. So, uh, yeah, well done, Katie and well done, well done, Ray to, to pivot and navigate and, and put together a wonderful Wednesday episode. Oh, it was so fun. Yeah. This week, friends, if you, um, haven't tuned in too much has been all teach better team members. So you have gotten to see Jeff, Andrea, Katie, and Megan, all staples, very powerful voices of our internal Teach Better team. All of them do training on mastery learning, but all of them, Brad, bring very different perspectives to the conversation. They've each had their own journey learning about this concept. They actually each joined the team in their own way to bring their different lens and expertise. It was kind of cool this week to be able to talk to our internal staff, our internal team to say, why is this concept important? Why as a classroom teacher, does this identify, like, does this really like identify with you as a, as an educator, a passionate educator? It was cool to be able to hear their different perspectives. They all teach different subjects. It was just kind of cool to be able to dive into that this week. Really, really cool. And I, I can, I can see here and feel our internal network growing so that we can better serve our growing network of teach better family members and educators. And uh, in any community, in any ecosystem, Ray, if you will, uh, relationships are the key. And, and the better you know and can leverage each other's strengths and interests and passions, whether it's lemonheads or mastery learning, 
there's value added. I would just come back to that again. There's there's value added in the strength of our networks, and there's value added in just having you know an emotional and personal connection with with the people that you want to learn from. Mm, I love it. So good. Brad, next week is a little bit of a doozy of the theme. We're really making a like a strong left. Like we're really turning this conversation around. This week was very focused on classroom, educational decisions you can make, resources you can go read, research you can go explore. Next week, I think is going to be a little wonky, but I we just need to embrace it. I think it'll be good. It'll be a great conversation. And I, I think the conversation is really about celebrating and and bringing some community awareness to the incredible things going on in our classrooms and schools, right? I love it. See, I think that twist is the way we need to go. Next week theme is all about branding your classroom, branding your school, really ensuring that you're sharing the story of the work that you're doing, but not so much the importance of that story. Obviously, we'll dive into that, but the how, the the mm. tactical, strategical decisions you can you can do right now to push the narrative and make sure that your community, your parents, everybody in the stakeholder community understands the power of the work that you're doing, whether it be at a classroom level, at a at a building level, at a district level, how are you controlling that narrative? How are you celebrating the people within that ecosystem? I think there'll be a really good discussion. Anytime we can celebrate the individual and collective achievements of kids, uh, and represent our public education system and, and public educators in a positive light through the power of story. Again, you get that emotional engagement with your audience and you you build confidence in what's happening. And you also build opportunities for those ongoing conversations that can lighten the load when it comes to approaching a parent-teacher conference. The more our communities know about us and the more transparent we can be in a system, systematic way, uh, that, that hopefully makes it easy and fun and something you look forward to in terms of communicating out, uh, the better it is for everybody. So I'm kind of geeking out, Brad. Can we do a little bit of a preview of next week's guest? Because 100%. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to live through it, to be honest. Uh, you got it. Like, Brad, next Friday, I may not be here. And I'm going to need you to have a backup because I may not make it through the oh, week. Oh, okay. You know. So it's like a, it's like an alert, just so you're aware. Okay. So Monday morning, you guys know Jeff Gargas. It'll be a really boring, terrible show. You guys already know that. Super easy. Tuesday, Brad. I don't even know how to process this. I just looked at the calendar. I'm freaking out. Tuesday, Mickey Smith Jr. Oh. is joining us. If you guys don't know Mickey, your life is not complete and it will be on Tuesday because Mickey is one of our favorite members of the Teach Better family. He is a um, member of our speakers network. If you don't know our uh, Teach Better team speakers network, we support educators that do really incredible work around the world and they have an affiliation with our team um and he is an all-star he joined 12 hour live this past april and literally lit up that hour i don't think people knew what to do after he shared his insight he is an inspiring authentic voice and a, a source of joy that that I, I think when you said lit up like literally like literally yeah. It, um, yeah. Tuesday is going to be bright. Yeah. Um, my goal for Tuesday is to speak the least amount as possible so he can just talk a lot. He's also a Grammy winning musician. He's an educator that is so decorated for the work that he's done. I don't quite know how to handle. I'll be dead by Tuesday. So if you need me after that, I, I won't be around. Um, Wednesday, unfortunately, gets even better. We have John Miller joining us. John Miller has been an active member in the Teach Better family 
He has an administrative background. He's going to be able to share so much about the district and the story. So after Mickey talks about finding your sound, which is all about what Mickey Smith Jr. is about, John Miller will be able to add in some additional thoughts of how he adds the voice of everyone in his community to the district. And then, I can't believe this. I don't even know how to process this. On Thursday, Evan Robb is joining us, who's an incredible district leader as well. And he is literally a powerhouse in sharing the story of not only his teachers, but his school community. So, and then Brad, we're together Friday, which I feel like is going to be the biggest disappointment of the week because (laughs) we're going to have like had this like high Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then they'll just get us. I don't know. Yeah. I think we should just show up in pajamas and house coats and, you know, uh, you know, just, just kind of roll in and say, Oh, Hey, yeah. Great week. Okay. Just, yeah. We'll, we'll have a pajama day together on, on Friday. Yeah. Let's just, yeah, it'll be good. I think that's probably the plan. Okay. So Brad, knowing that we'll just like really like bring the house down on Friday. It's going to be like PJ day. We'll like, we'll make a lot of mistakes. It'll be fine. Cause the week will be too good. We need to bring people down to reality. <laughs> exactly right. And, and we'll, it's all about keeping people grounded and humble and, and gosh, Ray, you and, <laughs> you and I can do that. If there's no other team that can do that on a Friday morning after a great week of learning. Yeah, we can handle that. We'll, we'll, we'll bring things down to earth. <laughs> I will say Brad, um, last week, I think it was or maybe it was this week. I asked for a wellness check. It was, I was live with Jeff and I was telling people that I was cleaning Mm -hmm. out my inbox. Oh, because of you, you're the reason last week when you told me I need to clean out my inbox, you really messed me up this week. I'm very upset with you. I forgot to tell you. Yeah. Um, I've been feeling that burn all week. It's been awful. Yeah. Um, and I told people Monday, I was like, you need to do a wellness check on me. I'm not sure how I'm going to do cleaning out my inbox. I don't know how I'm going to do interviewing these three gentlemen next Mm -hmm. week i'm gonna be i'm gonna be a mess so if you've ever cared about me more i need a little bit of a wellness check after next week's interviews because i'm gonna be these gentlemen i'm so excited just uh, just pop a send help message on your instagram or facebook story let us know like we we'll be here for you yes i also think i'm I'm gonna be really like not productive like these people are gonna be such a phenomenal conversation that I'm going to get off live and I'm going to be like, okay, I'm, I'm done for the day. I cannot I'm do done. anything just as good as what we just beeline to the coffee shop and recharge and, and repeat. It'll be good. So good. Well, Brad, thank you for joining us this morning. I, you, you, you know, I always love chatting with you next week is going to be ridiculous. This week was ridiculous. I so appreciate that. We're able to recap these weeks every single Friday. Uh, We always have fun, so I appreciate it. Me too, me too. It's a fantastic start to my Friday, and we hope it's a great start to all of our uh, Teach Better family viewers and listeners. And as you have said all week, just get out there and make this the best Friday ever. It's going to be so good. For all of you, we hope you have the best Friday ever. And if, of course, you need anything, please feel free to reach out. We're always here. So please enjoy your last sips of coffee. I won't lie, I'm out. So I'm going to go get some more. Brad, I hope you have a phenomenal day and hopefully get some coffee and don't rob any Starbucks like Adam. That would be a really bad idea. I won't. I'm going to send you lemon heads and a picture of my uh, grinder coffee maker. So uh, we'll get you set up there in uh, in Chicago land. Have a wonderful I Friday. It. I love it. Please make sure you are washing your hands today for Global Wash Your Hands Day. And we will see you Monday morning bright and early to kick off another week of Daily Drop-In where we are live every single morning, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern, streaming on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Or if you're listening after the fact on Teach Better Talk podcast, we appreciate you. Have a wonderful Friday, friends. See you later. See ya.